Okay, B'Shem Hashem Na'asem Na'atziach, we're starting our Ramban, Nachmanetis, on the Torah, weekly parsha. Here we went the introduction to the same book of the Torah, Exodus Shemot. He says, HaPasuk Kolel B'Sefer B'Rishit Shu Sefer Yitzat Olam. So we know the first book of the Torah, it's honestly so sad that I've asked probably hundreds of different Jews they can't name. Even Persian traditional Jews, these are not, they can't name you the five books of Torah. But we know each book of the Torah has a different juice, juice to it, which means a different soul and goal to educate us about our relationship with God. So the first book of the Torah, the Ramban says, is talking about the creation, Genesis. And he, he says that. I mean, basically, to review, it's talking about the lives of our forefathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. And their life is the seed for the whole future of what's going to happen to us, right? Because what they're kind of like the nucleus. So it says, Whatever happened to our... Because history repeats itself. So whatever happened to Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov... Like, for example, Yaakov had a terrible, terrible life. His wife died young. His two wives died young. You know, Leah died a year after Rachel. A lot of people don't know that. And Yosef was missing. And we Jews are Israel. We're the sons of Israel. And look at Jewish history, how hard that was. So, it's a mirror. Like he says, the Ramban says, whatever happened to the forefathers... It's a omen and a sign what's going to happen to us. And just like Yaakov had a bitter life, his father-in-law wanted to kill him, his brother wanted to kill him. Again, our Rome and Ishmael are our brothers. But they killed so many of us. So it says, now why... He said, why is the Torah going into the book of Exodus now? So he says this this second book of Torah is coming to tell us about the our exile, which God had already foretold to who? Abraham. Abraham. And then God is going to tell us that um, we got freed. So it says first the parsha. That's why he's trying to try, try to explain to you the flow between the first book and the second book. The second book starts with the name of all the children of who? Yaakov. Yaakov. And how many they were? Seven. Yeah, like in parshat vayigash. Because he says you should know the beginning of the end. The beginning of Galut was when Yaakov and his children came to Egypt. He says, So he's trying to tell you that don't no, you should know. These people that we're talking about in the second book, same. they're the same. They're the children of those. The children and grandchildren. Don't think, God forbid, they're inferior. Even though um, it was... Um, it says, Kashur. It says, when, uh, oh wow. 
כאשר יצאו ממצרים, אף על פי שיצאו מבית העבדים, עדיין קלינים כי היו בארץ לא להם. Even though we were, it's an interesting uh, aspect of looking at it. He's saying that since when the Jews were in the, uh, they were wanderers. Yes, in the Sinai. In the Sinai. Uh, he says when, only when they got a, uh, the Torah and the Mishkan and God's Shekhinah, God's presence, presence was amongst them. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. He said, just like God was always in the home of Avram, you know, when Sarah baked the chala, the shekhinah, mm-hmm. the cloud was over them. So he's saying a very interesting thing. He's saying by us getting the Torah and building the Mishkan, we got to the same level as a nation that Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov were. Because the shekhinah also came into our... Mishkan. Not only Mishkan, but individual houses of the Jews. Because it said the... Um, the chair of God in the world was Yaakov. God was between the two hearts and Zahar Yaakov and Yosef HaSadik. So this is a very important point. The, the Rambam, Rambam also brings Maimonides that true freedom is only through law and order. So only when they got the Torah can we... It's true they were physically free once they left the earth and the... Uh, geography of geographical space of Egypt but internally they weren't free till they had a mission in their life yeah. when they got they the got to- Torah. Torah he says uh, he's just telling you that's why the Mishkan is the second part of the book of Shemot because he says through the Mishkan you're able to bring the Shekhinah you're bringing uh, Korbanot you're bringing offerings that God forgives you of your sin and then through the Mishkan, it's like channels, it's like a piping to bring God's presence into each and every heart and mind and home of the Jews. And the goal is that through a husband and wife keeping the Torah and loving each other and raising their children in the way of the Torah, that the Shekhinah will always be in all the homes. And when there's Shekhinah, there's a lot of what? Better. So that's the uh, preference, the induction of Bangs to this first. I apologize, the second book of Torah. Okay, so now we're going to the Ramban, Pasuk 10 in chapter 1, mm-hmm. uh, like you just read, Mr. Kohanim, is saying that um, Paro was very cunning. And he said, Come, let us outsmart. Let's outsmart the Jews. Lest they become more numerous, and if a war occurs, they're going to join our enemy and kick us out of the land. So here the Ramban says, what does it mean they wanted to outsmart the Jews, um, Paro and his advisors? He says here a very interesting thing. And that is, Paro had a conscience and he had to keep his public relations. So he said, he said, it's not right for us to take the Jews and slaughter them like cattle with a sword. So what did he do? He said, he was a wise guy. He said, kind of like initially the Nazis did. Mm-hmm. Or the Nazis were also smart. They didn't, 
They took the Jews to a concentration camp away from. See the these um. The, you know the non-Jew is very cunning in that. These anti-Semites. He said that he's, he said that's very dis, it's very um, disgusting because who had told the Jews to come live in this land? This Paro's father. Yeah. So now you're going to come and wipe them out, all their children out. He says that if he would have done done this in a unsophisticated way, most probably the. Um, even even the um, I apologize. Even the Egyptians, the general populace would have said, "What are you doing? These are our neighbors. These are our friends." And they wouldn't let the they would protest against the king doing that. So Paro was a smart aleck. He was cunning. Just you know how like because uh, in Navi it calls Paro like the a snake Nachasha Gadol. So just like the Snake was very sophisticated when he tricked Adam and Eve. Adam and Chava, here also, Paro, doesn't go and outright commit a holocaust and genocide. He says, with his uh, advisors, they decided that we're going to drown them, or we're going to. First of all, first he wanted to kill them, make believe that it was a problem when they were birth, right? Mm -hmm. He told. Shifra and Puya, which was Miriam and thing, that when you're suffocate the children while they're born. born. So therefore, a trickster, he was a fraud to make sure that, oh, this was not, I I didn't sanction for everybody to die. It it was the fault of who? The midwives. The midwives. So he says, Vegam Kishabine Israel. Oh, so he even wanted to trick the Jews and said, he said, I'm not going to show any open animosity towards the Jews that I hate them, right? He just put a lot of tax burden on them originally. You know that. Because it says if you're not a citizen, yeah. yeah. Usually, if you're a new, always uh, even to this day, you have to pay extra tariff or tax if you're not a citizen. Like Shlomo did. Shlomo did this to the people that were living under his jurisdiction, also. So he says this was his thing that he told the midwives, "You kill the kids." He he wanted the dirty work to done by, be done by. The Jewish people on themselves, kind of like the kapos in the Holocaust. And he kind of was trying to say that um, it was supposed to be done in a very hush-hush, tricky way that nobody would even know that Paro wanted to kill the Jews. When he saw that that didn't work, what did he do? He didn't want his soldiers to do the dirty work. He told all the citizens to throw them, throw them in the river. He didn't tell his butcher 
to go kill the Jews. He had an army. He could have told his army to go do it. He told the citizens, he said, if any of you finds a Jewish boy, you go throw him in the river. So he said, oh wow, this is a very interesting Ramban. He said that, okay, later maybe the Jewish father is going to protest, this guy killed my son. Then we're going to tell him the court system is going to say, oh, go bring proof. Where where are your uh, witnesses that this guy killed your son? Right? So it was a very sophisticated and sinister. He was trying to chop off the head of the Jews without them even knowing that power was behind it. He says, he continues to say, that He says that when the Egyptians were uh, authorized to go into the Jewish homes after work, they would actually go find where the Jewish boys were. But the, the Ramban says that this didn't last so long, this thing of killing the Jews. Because he says, Ki kasher adain lo We have to know that, how, old, how much older was Aaron from Moshe? Three. Three. So that's interesting that the story of Moshe being put in a basket in the Nile didn't happen to Aaron. So the Ramban is saying a very interesting uh, thing. I never looked at it this way. He said that you should know this mass murder of the Jews was not going for a terribly long time. It was because Aaron did not have that problem. No. So it says, oh, so fast, I didn't know this. It seems, according to the Ramban, that after Moshe was born and she found him in the river, again it stopped. Yeah. It stopped. They weren't continuing to throw the... Because it could be that she said that this kid is Jewish and she said this is not appropriate. Already you're becoming too much of a Nazi, too much of a Hitler type figure that you're killing little babies mm-hmm. and your plan of doing it under the rug mm-hmm. in a conniving way is not clear. So that's interesting. I, I actually thought that may went on for many years. But it seems it was going on for maybe two years maybe. Because he says while Aaron was alive, they weren't ki- throwing yeah. the kids in the river. Yeah. And, and after Moshe Rabbeinu yeah, was born, Moshe was like the last one that was put in the river. Then it could be Paro's daughter convinced their father not to do that. Or because the astrologers already said it's too late. The kid was thrown in the water. That could be another reason why Power didn't want to continue doing it. Which means that Parat had somewhat of a conscience. He knew this was wrong, but he wanted to get rid of the Jews. So he didn't do it for a terribly long time, which is interesting. I never knew that. But he says that uh, he was very conniving. Which means, just like if you see in the Genesis that the Satan didn't tell Chava you're sinning. I'm not... That's all you have to know. The Satan is super sophisticated. A lot of times he, he wants you to do a ver, but he packages it as a mitzvah. You know? 
So it says that um, Paro was very uh, concerned that he shouldn't be perceived as a pariah, as like a wild, uh, ruthless leader. So as so he, he tried to make do other people do his dirty work, and ultimately this thing of throwing the Jews into the Nile didn't go on for that all that long. And he says, oh, this is also very interesting, the Ramban says. This is why the Jews told Moshe when, at the end of this parsha, that um, when Moshe came and then he, Paro made them do double work, right? In the olden days, he used to give them the... Um, straw. straw. So they told Moshe, you're... You destroyed us in, in in the eyes of Paro because you, it's like you're giving him a sword to kill us. Which means that on the surface, before this, it didn't seem that Paro was trying to make it in a way that, oh, we're not your enemy. He was trying to kill them under the radar. And he says, now you're giving an excuse to them that we are actually rebellious because now we're not building enough pyramids and not making our quota. And now they're not going to be able to do this in a secretive way, they're going to do it in a more open and um, dangerous way. Okay, Chazak Baruch. So now we're, we're on, we're going to fast forward to another vocal point of the Parsha with the Ramban. Here the Ramban talks about We're at the end of chapter 2. So Moshe had two children born to his wife Sipporah, Gershon and Eliezer. And it says, it happened to be that the king died, the Paro died. And it said the Jews had back-breaking labor, they cried out to Hashem here, it says in uh, verse 23. And it said, God heard their moaning and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. And God saw... It says, Vayar Elohim et Vayada Elohim. It says, God saw them and God knew. So, the Ramban brings a fascinating concept which um, the, uh, we have to know is very important also according to the. Uh, This current, because you know, mm-hmm. everything that happened in Egypt, it says in Navi, Hen Galti Etchem, we say it in Musaf Shabbat, Achrit Kereshit. So, just for example, we know that God sent the first Mashiach, which was Moshe, to kick us, take us out of Egypt because the women were extraordinarily righteous. This Galut also, Mashiach, Ben David, is only going to come what? If the women have very good. Righteousness. And the same thing here, the Ramban says a fascinating thing. He says, what does it say that God saw and then God knew? He says a fascinating thing on this part. He says the time had come for the Jews to be gone after 400 years. But he says like this. They were in a, in a state of hysteria. You know what? Like we are now. God was hiding his face. But he says that after the Jews cried out, they did feel up to God. They realized their only salvation will come with from who? 
עזרים עם השם. אומי, then, in the Zechut the prayer, they got, you know what I mean? Saved and God had mercy. That's what triggered, God said, oh, you cried out to me? Now I know, I know. It's a God. You just think of the Ibn Ezra, Ibn Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra is the God that the Egyptians could see the Jews having back-breaking work and that's why God said it's time for them to go out because he says but he says that no I hold it's like this what happened before them crying out and after them crying out before them crying out it says God was in the mode of Hester Pan you know one of the worst possible things The Talmud Yerushalmi says this in uh, Masechet Sanhedrin. The worst news that the world received is that God is going to w- sometimes be Hester Panim to us, hide His face. Imagine your father that loved you and always merciful, but he's not there. So he said that. But he says, after they cried out, God said, no, I'm going into a new mode. I'm not going to turn my face away from you. I'm going to do like in Sezim Berkat Kohanim. God is going to shine His face on you and smile at you. And He's going to empathize, sympathize with you. And He's going to give them everything they need. So he says there's many reasons the Jews were, we, we, we were rede- redeemed from Egypt. Reason number one is God had made a promise to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. But even though the time had come, see there's a concept in the Zohar, it's called Iteruta de la Mata, which means, like uh, Hanukkah was the biggest manifestation of that, that Hashem has created the world for us. So if we are passive, we're not going to make things. It's not going to happen. Like if you don't go pray to Hashem to find your soulmate or get money, mm-hmm. you, don't get it. you don't get it. That's a very important thing. So it's saying here also, when they saw the Jews are crying out and praying to Him, now God really put it on the uh, on His front of his list to take them out. Because now he knew their suffering. He always knew their suffering. But the difference is, is that their prayer made him to go out from a mode of hiding his face to now opening up his face. Like it says in Yechezkel. Because if you look at Yechezkel, it says that the Jews rebelled against me. And you know, they were doing idol worship. But now they were realizing no. Because we know the Jews had gone down a lot from the spiritual high level of, Avram, of Yaakov and Shimon and Levi. All, all, uh, you know, when they got to the Red Sea, the angel said, why do you want to save the Jews? These are idol worshippers? He says, at least here, they cried out and said, God, you have to save us. So once you cry out to God, God is going to what? Answer. He says, but in honor, in honor of the, the crying, God had mercy f- with them. And there he sees, now he says a Kabbalistic thing. 
He says, Ki Allah inuim limor pana vekarav otam eladat. Kenyan bekerav shanim to deal with regards to Amchem tiskor. Velchen yarich adu b'ze. So he says, if you want to understand this deeper, what does it mean that God knew? You have to look in a Kabbalistic work from ancient times. Sefer HaBahir, from that Rabbi Nechunya bin Akana, the same person that wrote Anab Koach. Go look there in uh, paragraph number 70. You will ex- understand what this Kabbalistic concept of what? That God knew. Okay, now we're going to chapter 4, Pasuk 1. So what did he say? We just learned that um, God, Moshe was worried the Jews wouldn't believe in him. We want to understand why, why, why was Moshe worried the Jews wouldn't believe in him. This is very unfortunate because... Um, doesn't it say that faith? Faith. If God is promising, God told them they're going to listen to you. And Moshe Rabbeinu answered, he was worried that if power doesn't give them permission right away to leave right away, the Jews are not going to be, believe in him. Because they're going to say God didn't send him. So the Ramban goes to is we want to in this idea understand what was Moshe Rabbeinu's reason for not having faith in the Jews that they would save him. So he says over here that Otosha Moshe Obviously Moshe Rabbeinu did a sin here. wasn't was mistaken because he should have had more faith in his flock, the Jews. But God then went ahead and actually gave him concrete. God said, if they don't listen to you, then do the water like you read, and the, the, the Nile River water is going to become blood, and the snake. And these are going to be signs that I really, you're authentic, you're the real deal. You're a representative of who? So first of all, the Ibn Ezra says that, Hashem said for sure the elders, like Aharon and the Jewish elders, the wise people are going to believe you. But he didn't, according to Ebenezer, what's going on here is like this. God's telling him the leaders are going to believe you, the leaders of the Jew. But not necessarily the general public, you understand? But he says, maybe another way that Ibn Ezra says is that what was going on here is Moshe said, okay, they're going to believe me, but they're gonna, are they going to have a full faith in me? The Ramban says, I don't like this. I don't, I don't think that was the debate between God and Moshe. He says, it's, it's saying it's not a guarantee. It's actually a, a demand, a command. He's saying the Jews should listen to you. And you and all the Aharon and all the elders are going to come to Paro and say, let my people go. And everybody's going to know that I take out the Jews with the strength, with power. 
right? The Jews are not going to flee like in a weak, passive way at night. We're going to go out in the morning. That's why all the Canaanites are going to become what? Terrified. It's saying God is commanding him, this is what's going to happen. And they're going to, they're going to believe. He's saying that, ah, oh, see, see, ah, oh, hear what he's saying. You hear what he's saying? Hashem is telling Moshe, I'm going to be, do such awesome miracles that they're going to have to believe in you. <laughs> like he ended up yeah. doing. Yeah. The ten plagues and this Red Sea. Yeah. But he's saying that you should know, I'm guaranteeing you also, that they're going to listen to you. And the, the, he's saying the elders are going to have so much faith in you, Aharon, your own brother, and all his, the leaders of the Jews on the ground there, that they're going to escort you to the Paro, you know? He's saying that... Um, He's saying they're not going to lose out anything. You understand? By going to Paro, escorting you there. But he says like this, See, this is what Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about. He's saying God is going to tell him it's not going to be like a push of a button that you go to Paro and then Paro is going to say, Oh, thank you, bye. So Moshe Rabbeinu was worried that since it's going to be a whole process of ten plagues, mm-hmm. and then he's going to have to, he had to go there ten different yeah. times and warn Paro. He's saying maybe the Jews didn't have the capacity to be so patient. And then they would think, oh, this is all game. Because Moshe is telling him, why, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes sense. See, I hear now what, it's very, very deep what the Ramban is saying. He's saying Moshe Rabbeinu was expecting to, to this to be a, like a piece of cake. Yeah. Just. I go to Paro. And he says, okay. You says, okay. Once Hashem said, it's not going to be that way, yeah. then what happened, logically, Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay. Then they're going to doubt that I'm the real deal. Because mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's Hashem, it should be what? Fast. Fast and easy. Because well, it seems that Paro still is in control. If Hashem is in control, then Paro is nobody. Just the first time, boom. He could make Paro die right there and all this yeah. his whole court. And then they're going to doubt that I'm your real messenger. See, that that's what's, what's going on. He says, because if they're going to say, they're going to taina, that if I'm the real deal, then why wouldn't Paro let us, why wouldn't it go so easy and swiftly? Or he suggests the last shot. And then finally, um, he offers the last shot. He says maybe what Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about like this. He says, Hashem two different doors. When God is merciful, you have often then Elohim, when God is judgment. So they were saying, Lon yirecha alecha Hashem. They knew that they were on a very low level of doing idol worship. They were, according to the Arizal, there's 50 levels of impurity, just like there's yeah. 50 levels of... They're 49. They're the 49. So they weren't delu- delusional. Yeah. They said, why would Hashem deal with us in Yudke Vavke? Lo nirecha elecha amonai. Because it's basically saying 
Moshe Reino came and told the Jews that God is going to do unbelievable merciful, uh, merciful miracles for you and deal with you with Rachamim. So that's another pshat. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, they're not going to accept this. They know that they're on a low level. So they're going to think that at the most, Hashem is going to take him out maybe in a sneaky way. They're not. What Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about is that the Jews wouldn't accept that this awesome, that God was going to treat them like, with kindness and mercy, because they knew that they weren't deserving. Right? And what was the proof to this? That it was very hard for them to leave. It took yeah. 10 plagues. Mm-hmm. So that's very um, logical. And I just want to end it off with the Orachim HaKadosh that says, there's a question always everybody asks, is that um, when Moshe Rabbeinu initially goes and tells Paro that he wants the Jews to leave, He says that um, the Jews, we only want to go for three days and come back. So he says, just like we said in the beginning of the class, the question is, why would Moshe Rabbeinu misrepresent and be conniving? They were never going to come back. They were going to go for what? Forever. Forever. So it says, it's... It says that, just like we say in Shir Lamalot, God is our shadow. So just like we said in the beginning of the class, the mis- power was being very what? Cunning and underhanded. Yeah. He, wanted, he wanted to keep his, he wanted to have his pie and kill it, and eat it too. Yeah. He wanted to kill all the Jews, Jewish boys, and make believe that he was a good guy still. And it wasn't directly, they couldn't trace it back to him. So that's what the Arachim says. He says, If you're cunning, cunning now, that Hashem said, okay, now you also be con. cunning with him, con artist with him. That yeah. We're going to tell them they're not living permanently, because they also, you know, they were very cunning. How did they make the Jews, you know, it says, the Midrash says, when they started building the first pyramid, power himself put his... Sleeves yeah. up and was in yeah. the mud. Yeah, he wanted volunteers. He said he wanted volunteers. So the whole thing was done in a very underhanded. Yeah. So he says once. That's the whole story of Yaakov. Once Yaakov saw that Lavan was also mm-hmm. being um, cunning with him, he didn't tell Lavan he's leaving. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing here. Once he saw, the Orachim says that he says that's why. Paro was deserving of Moshe Rabbeinu to, to misrepresent because Paro was misrepresenting. He, he had a plan to make the Jews slaves and then he says, oh, just help me, I'm a poor old man, I need help building this pyramid, I need volunteers. Then when the Jews started helping him out of their goodness of their heart, he said, no, you're my slaves now. If you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. So that's the parsha.